went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized Jesus and rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Minneapolis, there is a company called Orfield Laboratories. And on their campus, there are two very unusual rooms. One is called a reverberation room, meaning that if you go into that room and make any kind of noise, say that you scream out loud, the sound is amplified so that it keeps going and going and going. It bounces off all of the hard surfaces in the room. That room is always, always filled with sound, no matter how quiet you might try to be. The other room is called an anechoic chamber, and it is one of the quietest rooms in the world, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. The walls, the floor, and the ceiling are completely covered by sound-absorbent fiberglass. The noise level in that room is measured in negative decibels. It's so quiet that you can hear your joints move and your heart beat and your neck creak and your lungs inflate. A little gurgle in your stomach sounds like thunder. The main use of that anechoic chamber is for companies to test the sound levels of things like defibrillators or pacemakers, anything that might be implanted in your body. But every so often, someone is given the opportunity to simply sit and be in that quiet room. When they do, the staff also turn the lights out so that there's no pollution of any kind, noise pollution or light pollution. Can you guess about how long people last in that room? <laughs> the best people can do is maybe 45 minutes, an hour tops before people get so nervous they just can't stand it anymore. Too much quiet is sometimes just too much. Our everyday lives, of course, are a lot more like the reverberation room, where the noise just never stops, no matter how hard we try. If you are still for a moment, you will, you will still hear traffic going by, or the hum of your refrigerator, or the buzz of a computer screen. There's still airplanes overhead, or the neighbor's television set, or your dryer spinning the last of the laundry for the day. True silence is almost impossible to find in this world, no matter how hard you look for it. We pick up the gospel story today in a particularly noisy season for Jesus and his disciples. Jesus sent out his friends, and they went through the countryside healing and teaching and casting out demons. And now they've returned to give Jesus a full report on how well they did. But word about their return has spread quickly, and before they know it, crowds of people, hordes of people, come looking for them. Jesus immediately takes them away. 
or attempts to take them away anyway, to a deserted place. But the crowds still follow. There will be no quiet room for them. We often think of this story and stories like it as stories about the importance of rest and Sabbath. Jesus reminding his disciples that every one of us needs to stop and breathe and recharge. And I think that's, that's, part, that's true. That's part of what these stories are about. Jesus does periodically try to get the disciples and himself away from the crowds and the noise and the needs and demands of all the other people. These stories remind us that the need for rest is not weakness or selfishness. It's built into who we are, into the very structure of creation, that everything, people and land and animals, everything needs to stop and breathe and be on a pretty regular basis. But this story in particular seems to be about more than rest. Jesus doesn't just take them to a quiet place or a soothing place or a comfortable place so that they can take a break and lay down for a while, much as they probably needed it. He takes them to a deserted place, a wilderness. Certainly they'll probably find silence there. They're not going to find much else. What sort of spot comes to your mind when you hear the phrase, a deserted place? Something bare, something desolate. A place where the comforts and trappings of everyday life are stripped away. Where there's not anything to protect you from the dust and the sun and the wind. Most of us have found ourselves in a deserted place at some point in our lives. And if we haven't yet, then it's probably coming. Maybe it won't be a Middle Eastern desert. But the experience of being isolated, of being or feeling deserted, of realizing that you are someplace without all of the padding and resources and armor that you carry around every day. Much like the quiet room, that's disorienting, to say the least. Many of those deserted places are not places at all. And many of them are experiences that we do not choose. Think about the loneliness of chemotherapy treatments, of negotiating your way through a disease that might end your life with treatments that feel even worse than the disease itself. Or the isolation of finding yourself in a relationship that has fallen apart no matter how hard you tried and realizing that soon you will make your way in the world alone. Or the silence that comes when your job ends, whether you choose that ending or not, of wondering how you will fill your days now, what you will do now, and maybe even who you are now. Or the odd feeling of a home whose children have grown up and gone away. The quiet you wished for so desperately in their early years, now a little quieter than you really want. Or the long days, the solitary days after a death, when that familiar voice is no longer there to answer or argue with or laugh with. 
Many of the deserted places we experience in this life are not places we choose to be, but places we simply end up in, things that happen to us. And I think, I suspect those kinds of places are not really what this gospel story is about. If we're not careful, we could read today's gospel story to suggest that any deserted place we find ourselves is a place God has sent us to, a place God has chosen for us. And that starts to sound a lot like God wants us to be in pain or to suffer or to grieve for some reason. To that we can say a clear no. God's desire is never that we hurt, that we weep, that we are in pain. For those kinds of deserted places, for those wildernesses that we live through, we have the beautiful, well-worn words of Psalm 23, the words we sang together. Even though I walked the darkest valley, I will not fear, for you are with me. Your goodness and mercy follow me, chase after me, won't let me go all the days of my life. Today's story, though, seems to be about deserted places that we need to be in. Places we are sent into. Why is it that most people can only be in that quiet room for 45 minutes before they can't wait to leave? Why is it that so many of us, in spite of saying that we want quiet, we crave quiet, we would do anything for quiet, we still choose noise over and over again. Why is it that nearly every one of us, after 90 seconds of sustained silence, have a little voice in our head that says, is this over yet? Silence can be life-giving, like a glass of cold water on a hot day. It can also be profoundly uncomfortable, a sort of deserted place that strips away all the distractions, all the padding, all the noise that we use to cover up the things we don't really want to think, the fears we don't really want to admit, and the pain we try so hard to avoid. It's probably why the 3 a.m. worries are the worst ones because there isn't enough noise to take our minds off ourselves. In that kind of silence, in that kind of wilderness, we do more than take a break. We do more than rest. We're given the space to ask ourselves what's really necessary. We're given the time to reflect on who we truly are and who we want to be. In a deserted place, we have to face our fears and our failures and the truth we don't want to tell. We have time to evaluate old ways, old patterns, old habits, which are no longer good for us or anyone else, but we haven't figured out how to stop them. And all of that is hard, which is probably why we've created such a distracting and noisy and busy and bright world because it's more fun, or so we think. 
Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves for a while, Jesus says to his friends. He says this to them, by the way, at one of their moments of greatest success. And the disciples were pretty famously inept at everything. So you would think that Jesus would be super excited that they had done anything right and praise them for it and send them out to do more of it. But no, he pulls them away from the crowds calling in their name, demanding their time. He takes them someplace they would never have chosen. But somehow that deserted place was so important, he felt that it couldn't wait. So you today may be in the midst of a wilderness that you didn't choose, a place you don't want, a place so hard and painful it takes all you have to put one foot in front of the other. And if that is true for you today, then hang on to the promise of that psalm. Remember the cry of Jesus from the cross, a God who chooses the ultimate wilderness so that we know we are never alone in ours. But if you suspect that the wilderness, the deserted place, is someplace you need to be, then this story is for you. Because it may be that in the end, all our attempts to fill the silence and distract ourselves from our own thoughts, to cover up the truths we don't want to tell, all of that may just be killing us. Deserted places are always uncomfortable, at least at first. But they can also be transformative. Stripping away all the stuff, the security and comfort we carry around with us may hurt, but we might also find that the tender skin that's left underneath leaves us more able to actually touch each other, connect to each other, be with each other. The ground of a deserted place may look empty, but maybe it just leaves more room for the seeds to grow. Come away to a deserted place and rest a while, Jesus says to his friends. I think he's still saying it. Amen.